Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we're going to present an introspective analysis on TV's Family Guy. Family Guy is a very popular American TV program, cartoon, and it's just insanely funny. I remember watching it back in 1999, and no matter how upset or sad I was, it always snapped me out of a mood. So today, people go to doctors, and they say, oh, I'm depressed, and they say, well, here, take a pill. And I say, don't take the pill. Watch Family Guy first, because it'll probably have an even more profound and greater impact. And when I was watching the show, in addition to laughing my ass off, I found that there were a lot of messages, deep messages, believe it or not. And I wanted to explore those messages and see if I was just crazy or if there was actually something there. And there was. So we interviewed several psychologists. We interviewed a civil law attorney. We also interviewed spiritual teachers. And to top it off, we actually were able to interview two actors and an executive producer on Family Guy. That's Alex Salkin and Kevin Biggins. Now, the executive producer, Seth MacFarlane, I think he's a creative genius, but he seems to be a very deep individual. I happen to love a gentleman named Neil deGrasse Tyson. He does a lot of uh, TV shows in, about the cosmos and exploring the galaxy. And Seth MacFarlane happened to be a, an executive producer on one of the shows that he did. And the stuff that Seth MacFarlane does, I think that he's very deep and very creative, but he's also a, a seeker as well. So it does not surprise me at all that when we did our analysis tonight that there are a lot of deep hidden messages. So the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show proudly presents an introspective look on TV's Family Guy. Joining us now is Kevin Biggins. How are you doing? Doing unbelievable. Mr. Biggins has written for Tosh.0, The Cleveland Show, TV Movie Awards, and he is co-executive producer on Family Guy. You can learn more about Pretty Mr. Sure. Biggins. Yep, you can learn more about Mr. Biggins by going to his Twitter feed, and that is at the Big Idea, and that's with two G's. Mr. Biggins, great honor yes, to sir. have you on the show today, sir. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. As far as Family Guy goes, what has been your perspective about the humor in the show? Why do you think the show has been so popular for so long, and why do you think so many people uh, have enjoyed it for so many years? Uh, well, probably just the, uh, the pacing of it and, uh, you know, the cutaways and flashbacks that we do, uh, throughout the episode, you know, we're able to stay current and reference, you know, just anything from our childhood and, uh, just things that are recognizable that people remember and, uh, you know, putting a, a humorous, uh, take on that, uh, I think, uh, has allowed it to stay you know, in pop culture and stay relevant and stay popular. So uh, it's really fun. Good. And do you see when you guys are coming up with some of the ideas and the jokes, do you find that it is a personal challenge for the staff to put a funny perspective on something particularly dark, such as, you know, a prom night dumpster baby, when you guys did that song, which was ridiculously uh, (laughs) well-received? Right. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's – I mean, my my whole I I enjoy making people laugh, and uh, I get a great uh, you know kind of a high from that. And uh, whether it's you know doing stand up or uh, writing, and uh, I think that's what all the writers on Tim I have in common. I mean, and Seth and uh, McFarlane, and uh, in, in doing his movies and everything, and uh, it's. You know, there's no reason to. I mean, that's that's our job is to put uh, to put a humorous take on something that uh, is maybe a little bit of a bummer, like uh, you know, uh, aborted fetuses, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the humor is uh, dark, I guess uh, people call it uh, twisted. I don't like to really use that term, Twisty. but uh, you guys are making <laughs> jokes in light of uh, things that are, are pretty good, that maybe people particularly cringe about. You know, you said that uh, you do comedy. Do a lot of other people that are writers for the show are they also stand-up comedians as well? Yeah, a lot of people. If they're not doing it now, they've done it in the past. So there are, you know, I'd say about half the people uh, come from a uh, stand-up background from uh, at one point or another in their careers. So, um, you know, that the stand-up is that's kind of the most pure form of uh, comedy, I think, because you're just up there 
uh, by yourself and, uh, you know, putting your thoughts out there and hoping uh, to get a, uh, to get a laugh. And, uh, you know, if you don't, then you just, uh, you go back and, uh, you hate yourself for a little bit and then you try to do better. But, uh, just, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there's enough, uh, I guess, uh, bummers, uh, if you will, going, going, uh, on every day in life. And, uh, if we can, uh, make people laugh about some of those things. Well, you know, I, I think that's a positive thing. And, uh, if people don't like the humor there, uh, you know, it's up to them to not watch it. They don't have to watch it. So. Are there other positive themes that you see that are regular threads throughout the show that people can look at and say, well, you know, there's actually a lot of goodness to what these characters do. Um, no, oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, I mean, there's the stories, you know, if you pay attention to the actual stories that happen during the episodes, I mean, it's usually about family and friendship and, uh, you know, love between a husband and wife. Uh, you know, they, Peter, no matter what he does, will will come back and he and Lois have a good relationship. And, you know, uh, if he is a little, uh, I don't know, rude or misogynistic at times, uh, he'll come back and he'll apologize and, uh you know, so it is uh, for as nasty as some of the humor is. I think there's definitely uh, some positive kind of life lessons uh, if you can find them and you know <laughs> take take uh, take those with you. Um, but uh, yeah, there's you know I would say uh, family and friendships and uh, and uh, you know some people need to be made fun of. Uh, so I think that's positive. Kevin. In your experience working at Family Guy, what have been some of the moments that you guys have worked on the show where you know you, you guys have been laughing so hard? Like, are you considered to be some of the funniest moments or funniest show parts that you guys have ever created, you think? Uh, well, I mean, there's a ton. I think uh, that's part of why I love the job is that you, there's pretty much a moment every day where you laugh very, very hard with a, a group of other uh, individuals. Um, one of the ones recently uh, that really had people you know, cracking up was, uh, and it just aired was, uh, the secret level in Donkey Kong, um, where, uh, Mario beats the level and then goes up and, uh, discovers that Donkey Kong has, uh, <clears throat> you know, just murdered the princess and like put her in a barrel and rolled her off to the side. And then Mario uh, is now involved and, uh, he helps them. And then they, they're just kind of sitting there and there's an awkward moment about their, uh, they have to come up with a lie about what they were doing, kind of an alibi, and uh, they decide to say, <laughs> you know, we went to the movies, and then uh, there's, uh, I think they, they first say they're going to go see ordinary people, but then it's kind of complicated, so they say, let's go, we'll say we were at Stripes, and uh, then they're like, yeah, that's that's a good one, and then they say, you know, I could go, so I'd go see Stripes right now, and it's all done in the, the old uh, 8-bit animation uh, of Donkey Kong game, and you know everyone was just like, that's just one of those things where you hear the even the sound effects make you laugh because you remember playing that game, and uh, you know that's what's fun is the ability to see those kind of things uh, like a video game played out in a uh, you know in something that you'd never see uh, when you're playing. Uh, so that that I remember uh, in particular was just one that people were laughing throughout. Even though you're out there making fun of everyone, it's all inclusive of the people they make fun of. Fun of. I'm curious to know is that are you and some of the other people on the show? Are you guys particularly part of any re organized religion? Do you guys are some people on the show spiritual? I'm curious to know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're all Jewish. Uh, no. Uh, the uh, there's there is. Uh, you know, people. I don't know. I feel like. Uh, it's it's not cool, you know, and I'm doing air quotes now that you can't see, um, to be into religion or be religi religious right now, which, you know, I was raised Catholic and, uh, you know, I went to Catholic grammar school and so I definitely have religion as part of my life. I don't practice the traditional Catholicism that much anymore. Um, and I think a lot of people on the show probably fall into that category of like, you know, they were raised religious and now they're kind of, uh, non-practicing, but, you know, there's a few, you know, atheists and things like that. And, uh, there's a good mix, but I, I think it is a shame that, you know, what's happened, what seems to have happened in this country is like, if you're into religion, then you're automatically deemed like an idiot or, 
you know, and I, and I think that's wrong. I think, you know, personally, I don't care. I don't, I don't like missionaries. I don't like people that go and tell people or try and convert people because I don't give a shit. And it's like, don't tell me what to do. I won't tell you what to do. I really don't care what you believe in at all. I, I, you know, I feel pretty strongly about that, but, um, and I think for the most part, uh, there, there are some people, you know, there are some people that go to church on the show and, uh, uh, it's a good, you know, I guess my short answer is yes, and it's a mix of different religions. Sure, and um, with, based on uh, whatever your spiritual practice you guys, uh, any you or any number of people on the show engage in, I was curious to know if that actually influences some of the jokes that are out there. And I'm curious to know, if, uh, maybe curious to know, if like you guys do some jokes and you have people that are deeply religious, like, oh my God, you know, I have to go to confession and I've got to, I've got to confess for all these I think there's more of a, uh, there's usually a cringe or, you know, we get the sense of like, oh, that one's not good for karma, but... Uh, you know, whatever, uh, we're kind of putting it out there, but yeah, there's, there has been some jokes that, uh, certain actors and uh, writers have been opposed to. And they're like, I'm not going to read that line. Uh, you know, if it's something to do with, uh, I think most of them have been, uh, on our more religious episodes about Jesus and things like that. Some, some guys are just like, you know what, I'm not going to do that one. And we just change the line. You know, if they're really opposed to it, uh, Seth is usually, you know, he'll, He'll ask them a couple times, but, uh, you know, if they're like, no, absolutely not, uh, you know, I think Seth is pretty good about just saying, like, okay, you know what, well, we can we can find a different joke that is acceptable for you. But I don't know if people uh, are going to confession. Uh, I know I'm not. Uh, I might knock on wood or uh, do some superstitious thing that I think will wipe my slate clean, but that's, uh, that's what I do. Uh, I don't know if it works or not, but. Uh, I'm still here. <laughs> You're still here, and you guys are still creating the one of the number one top-rated TV shows. When you guys are making these shows, and you're coming up with these ideas, and you're moving forward and building, building more of these episodes, do you feel that you are doing more positive impact on humanity than negative? Do you feel that more people who see Family Guy react in a more positive, more fashionable, positive way than considered like negative? I think so. I think, and I mean, I think the proof is that it's still on TV and it's still popular and that, you know, you asked me to do a, a podcast. Like, if it was all negative, it, you know, there would be, you know, there's backlash here and there, but uh, at its core, I think it's about humor and comedy and laughing at yourself and laughing at, you know, situations that happen in life and embarrassing moments and awkward moments that, you know, it's like that are relatable to everyone, and it's uh, in that way. I think it is uh, good overpowers the bad. So you know, uh, we're on Luke Skywalker's side. Um, but uh, so yeah, you know, it is um, it's tough, and there's definitely a line that you know we we kind of stay pretty pretty close to, and uh, that's why we have uh, censors uh, to tell us uh, let's not do this one, and for the most part. You know, we, we'll, we'll uh, kind of compete with them, but we try and push it as far as we can just because it is, I mean, those are the things that that, uh, that make people laugh. And uh, I think because of that, then that's that's where the good is. All right. Mr. Kevin Biggins, I want to thank you. We want to thank you very much, so much for providing a great interview, great insight on Family Guy. And to learn more about Mr. Biggins, please go to his Twitter handle, and that's at the big idea, and that's with two G's. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, it's really clever. Yeah, Mr. Biggins was a writer for Tosh.0, Cleveland Show, TV Movie Awards, and the co-executive producer of Family Guy. Truly a great pleasure to be with you today, Mr. Biggins. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I hope I, uh, I, hope I wasn't too boring here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'll, you, I'll spice it up next time. Joining us now is Alex Sulkin, who is a writer-producer on Family Guy. Mr. Sulkin, it is a great pleasure and honor to have you with us today. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ryan. It's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Now, when you're writing for the show, there are a lot of jokes out there that people are considered edgy. What do you would you consider to be some of your your favorite jokes and lines from the program? Oh, well, you know, obviously you're talking about a show now that's been on the air for. Oof, I think we're in season 13 now. So there are there are so many. It, the show has made me laugh time and time again. But, I mean, I would have to say some of my favorites uh, often aren't even uh, 
particularly lines. They're, they're bits of animation. Um, one of my favorite things that always makes me laugh is when, uh, you may recall, there was a, an episode where um, there was a dead frog that Peter was yep. trying to uh, <laughs> get out the window, and uh, he was trying to scoop it up delicately with his shoebox time and time again and he just he, he couldn't get it out uh and and that we call those jokes uh um toasts it's like a, it's an acronym for I, I can't even remember what it stands for but it's something about taking your time and uh so that that made me laugh very hard um there's a joke in the Star Wars episode where they're in the garbage compactor and they, they find a couch that they decide they want to take out of there. And, and then there's a whole bit about them trying to take this couch off of the Death Star, which I found hysterical. I mean, it, the, the show that's, you know, you work on some shows out here and they don't make you laugh and you're, you're bringing home a paycheck and that's fine. But Family Guy has just, it just always made me laugh and the other writers are so talented so, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure working there. And when you're coming up with these jokes, which seem to be very timely, they're very cutting edge, what is the process for what you guys come up with? These humor? Are you guys thinking about what an audience will like, or do you find you put out what you personally find funny and, and kind of relay that in communication to how it will relate to a general audience? Yeah, I think we definitely do the latter. I mean, we again, there, there are such talented writers over there, uh, and we – the ultimate goal is just to make each other laugh. And if we can do that, we know that we're probably going to make our fan base laugh as well. So I would say that we, if we can make each other laugh, that's the stuff that ends up in the show. And that's the stuff that ends up being the, the best stuff in the show. Okay. And family guy has been known to take a lot of uh, humorous approaches to things that are particularly dark and I was wondering, in your opinion, what particular dark subjects do you think that Family Guy was able to take a look at, take a humorous perspective at, and kind of make it them easier, more manageable to perceive and to look at? Well, I, I, that's a great question, and I, and I think that uh, Family Guy does do that, and I love that we do that. I think that, you know we've made allusions to references to 9-11, you know, which is something obviously you, you, you don't hear too many jokes about. Um, we have made, um, we famously made a joke that was actually cut by standards. It was about uh, Pat Tillman. I don't know if you've heard this whole story, but it's a very, it was a very funny uh, scene. Of course, Pat Tillman was the, um, football player who joined the U.S. Army and then was killed by friendly fire um, over in, uh, I believe, Afghanistan. And uh, so we we wrote a scene about that where Peter Griffin was in Pat Tillman's platoon, and the platoon leader kept giving the platoon uh, instructions, saying, okay, guys, when I give the word, we're going to take that hill, we're going to sweep the enemy bunker, and we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to take, take, capture this, uh, this, this city. And every time all Peter could hear, he says, oh, okay, so when you give the word, we're going to shoot Pat Tillman in the head. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 we're not, we're not shooting Pat Tillman in the head. We're going to take this bunker, sweep the city, and capture the town. Got it. Shoot Pat Tillman in the head. Go, and, and, you know, so it was very – a really, really funny scene, and ultimately the censors uh, uh, made us uh, take it out. But somehow uh, Pat Tillman's brother um, got a hold of the scene and saw it, and he loved it. He went, he went out of his way to talk to Seth and say, I thought that that was a great way to do it. It was, you know, hilarious. And so I think that's a really good example of how Family Guy can take something that seems impenetrable that it's so dark and 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 make it make it uh, laughable. There is one episode that I want to bring to your attention, Mr. Sulkin, that I feel sure. that you guys really call me. Call me. Oh, okay. Uh, There's one episode where I feel that Family Guy was a true champion of liberty. Actually, really brought something to the public's awareness that we should be concerned about. And that was the instance of police brutality. It was an episode where uh, 
Peter and the guys, they get off to a different county and they get picked up by the police and the police keep on putting false charges on them and saying you're doing this and that. And in the end, they, they turn the tables and it was – there's a, a lot of morality, like a big moral message on there for people to be aware of what their rights are. And I was just wondering if there's a, other episodes where you guys are putting messages in there, like positive moral messages in there you know, in order to you know, go with the laughs. Well, you know, I think, and I know exactly what just uh, talking about. That was a, that was a very funny one. And yeah, there at the end when it, when when the tables are turned and Joe and uh, everything kind of, you know, they they turn the tables on the crooked cops. Um, I think I think what happens uh, is generally things grow out from what's funny. So we start with what is going to make people laugh. And then if there is a message attached, uh, a positive message, all, all the better. I, I remember in particular an episode where um, we did kind of our take on uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, you know, Seth has a very strong view about that. He feels that, you know, AA works for some people, but he just doesn't feel like it's the right thing. He feels like there's a message that can be put out there about, you know, every person is different and you don't need to adhere to these rigid rules that people, you know, make you chant like you're some kind of robot zombie. It's you do things in moderation. You find out what your, your body particularly does. And then you, you live that way, which I thought that was a very kind of positive, and sort of a brave thing to say because it's kind of hard to come out and say, uh, you know, I think AA is stupid. But I mean, in a, in a way, that's what he was saying. He was saying it works for some people, but but not for others. And so, you know, sometimes Seth does go into an episode with a message that he wants to get across. Um, so, you know, it, it's a mixture of both. We get get good laughs and, and then, you know, sometimes the message is there as a bonus and other times there are episodes obviously that are just silly for silliness sake and, and, and there's no real message. Okay. There are people that criticize family guy or they tend to say that what you guys are doing is you're, you're perpetually um, imposing immorality in the, on the public airways or you're trying to, to harm and hurt people. Do you feel at any point in right. time that when you do you guys doing the show that there's any attention to actively uh, hurt or harm another human being or just you know, to bring anguish to another human being? Yeah, absolutely not. You know, I think that uh, you know those organizations uh, that you know there there are many of them, um, but I think that listen they uh, they need a reason to exist. Um, or else, you know, they're they're out of a job. And so a lot of times Family Guy is just a convenient target, and it's become so easy for them to find anything to criticize in the show. But we know working for it, listen, if you meet Seth and new Seth for any period of time, you'd know he – he does not have a malicious bone in his body. He's got many funny bones in his body, and they can sometimes tell, you know, jokes that are on the darker side, but he never wants to hurt people. He, um, you know, has very uh, kind of liberal social views. Uh, you know, he, 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 he definitely wants, you know, people to... Uh, get along he hates violence you know he it's there's never a, a show where we go into a thing and we want we want to hurt these people or we really want to you know attack these people and if, if we attack anyone it's only comedically and notice about the show too is that you guys attack everyone you guys go after everyone you, you guys it's kind of like a it, it's it's equal equal uh, totally right that's a great that's a great point. That's totally true. Now, have you guys ever gotten responses from any member of religious organizations actually praising you guys and saying that you know you guys were actually doing a lot of good and that you're bringing a lot of laughter where laughter wasn't uh, sour before? You know, I think we get stuff uh, from individuals a lot of the time that are that way, and sometimes those individuals are you know affiliated with religious organizations and they'll go out of their way to 
praise a certain episode or, you know, a certain joke or a certain character on the show for the, for the way they, they, uh, they act or the, um, uh, in a certain situation. Um, so yeah, you know, all the time we're getting the other side of it because I think there, there are people that recognize that what we're doing at the heart of everything is just trying to make people laugh. And, you know, if you, if you just take a step back and, and, and take all of your personal rancor out of it and just objectively look at it as a, a cartoon show where, you know, people are trying to make other people laugh, then, you know, you have to look at that as, as a positive thing in the world. Mr. Alex Sulkin, that was a real fantastic interview about Family Guy. Thank you so much. And, Alex, where can people learn more about you? Um, uh, where, where can they learn yeah. more about? Do you have a Twitter feed, or is there a website they can find? Oh yes, yes, uh, yeah, I have a Twitter feed. Uh, it's uh, at the Salk on Twitter, and uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm up on there making jokes um, most days. And you know, other than that, you know, just watch watch Family Guy. You can go and go and see the movie Ted or the sequel coming out this summer. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically me. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is civil rights and workplace attorney Scott Barron. You can learn more about him by going to his website at barronlaw.com. That's B-E-H-R-E-N law.com. Mr. Barron, what can you tell us about some of the messages that are being relayed in Family Guy? Well, I, I think that a lot of the Family Guy episodes are, are – specifically intended to uh, further certain civil rights messages or make certain you know, political commentary and in many instances make uh, religious commentary. Um, I would say that one of the issues um, in, in a couple of the Family Guy episodes actually related to um, police brutality issues. And I don't remember the exact episode, but I know there was one episode where uh, Peter was uh, claimed to be Black Peter. And he, he got pulled over in the car, and they said, you're the black guy we're looking for at the police. And Peter was like, yeah, that's me. And they're like, and then they call us as soon as they, even though it clearly wasn't black. And then they call him, and they say, the car is stolen. He's like, wait, it's not my car. The car's not stolen. And they're like, oh, he's resisting arrest. And then they start pulling him out and, and you know, beating him. So um, that was clearly, I think, a message for some of the issues that, you know, been happening over the years with um, uh, civil rights and police forces. Um, in addition, there was also one where one episode, a, a snippet where I think Peter and the family were touring in Los Angeles, and um, he got pulled over by the LAPD behind him. And the next thing you know, he's on the ground getting beaten by the LAPD, and, and Lois is filming it. And afterwards, he says to, uh, and then he says to the police, uh, "Well, thanks a lot, guys. This is really going to make a great souvenir from our trip." And uh, you know, Lois is thanking the police, and then the police go ahead and like, no problem, enjoy your vacation. So again, uh, I think clearly, uh, Family Guy there was trying to send a message about um, you know, the police brutality kinds of issues. Even though Family Guy is a cartoon, do you feel that by putting these messages in their episodes, that they are able to educate the public to a degree of you know what what they may feel is really happening, or? make them more aware of uh, civil liberties and uh, personal freedom. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there, there's a reason why Seth MacFarlane puts all of these political and religious and civil rights messages in his shows. And because I think, number one, he's got not only – he's got probably an equal number of – maybe more adults watching that program than, than kids, I think, number one. You know, number two, he knows the popularity of the show and knows that it's it's a good way of – conveying, you know, these types of messages to a, to a large audience. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I mean, he, you know, he doesn't do it. I think either I, I also doesn't do it in a, you know, like a lecturing kind of way. You shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. It's kind of like a sarcastic mockery of, Hey, look at how ridiculous this whole thing is. Maybe this isn't the way it should be done. At least, you know, that's, that's my opinion. Okay, and the last question I have is what, types of civil liberties and you know, freedoms do you feel Family Guy kind of emphasizes throughout the course of the show? Like what areas of, uh, let's say, constitutional of the Constitution do you think Family Guy will, will touch upon? Well, I mean, 
I, I think there's been, I mean, aside from, you know, the police types of issues, uh, I think there was a lot of issues relating to racism. And I think Cleveland, um, the black character, um, they try to address a lot of issues of, you know, racism with him in various episodes. Um, I know there was one issue instance where they were playing a, a civil rights monopoly game and, and Peter was saying how, you know, playing with Cleveland, and it was kind of like, can you ever win this game? And, and Cleveland's like, you can never win, but it can only get a little bit better as time goes on, each time you play. So, I mean, I think that's a big, you know, that's a big issue, I think, racism. I think the big issue is, you know, these civil rights, that police. And like I said also, I know he's, I think he's definitely following is like a, an acclaimed atheist, a self-protest, self-acclaimed atheist. So I know he's, he pokes a lot of fun at religion also um, in the episodes. Civil rights attorney and workplace attorney Scott Barron. Thank you so much for being with us today. We can learn more about Mr. Barron by going to his website at Barron Law. That's B-E-H-R-E-N Law.com. Mr. Barron, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Joining us now is Mr. Steve Kim, lead columnist for UCNlive.com. Mr. Kim, tell us a little bit about the show Family Guy. I think Family Guy was probably the last vestige of any program um, where there is no political correctness. Um, I think it's funny. It's profane. Uh give you some social commentary. Um, but I just love the fact that there really are no sacred cows on, on that show. And at, at times, and part of the fun is that it is cringeworthy. And, you know, I've, I've watched it since the very first episode. I remember when it first came out, it was after the Super Bowl between the Broncos and Falcons. And that had to be, what, January of 1999. And, you know, as someone who grew up in the 80s, you know, the pop culture references, uh, to me, uh, those are funny, the funniest parts of the show, but it really is a look at society in a way, in a sense that they say things <laughs> that, quite frankly, I don't think anyone else has the guts to say anymore. Okay, but, you know, you're someone in the media, and you see how people are reactive to particular things, so there isn't a day that goes by where there isn't some type of group that says we are offended by this particular language. So how does Family Guy get away with that? How can Family Guy just do what they're doing? And how is a society that seems to be so hypersensitive to certain words or phrases uh, can actually tolerate Family Guy? You know why? Because I don't think Family Guy cares. I don't think Seth MacFarlane particularly cares about being popular. I think he realizes that as a satirist, satirist, that, you know, this is not a popularity contest. And if he cared about having everyone like him, being the most popular guy in the room, not burning bridges, not alienating people, he wouldn't do this type of program. But I, but I love the fact that it's so unfiltered. And I realize the show's not for everybody, but that's the thing. Family Guy has now carved out a niche where it is expected to be exactly what it is. And the moment that changes, I think the show in itself would lose its appeal. Okay. And are there other TV shows throughout history that you can recall that have actually had an impact on culture where it made them more able to talk about certain issues that were taboo and where it was able to bring people together that maybe weren't you know, seeing eye to eye on a lot of different things? Well, the show that comes to mind immediately, and this is from way back from the 70s and 80s, had to be all it was an Archie Bunker show. It was it All in the Family? I, I think that show, you know, Carol O'Connor's uh, character probably symbolized a lot of attitudes um, in America that existed, and it dealt with a lot of issues. You know, but that show wasn't necessarily trying to be satire. It, it was a sitcom that dealt with a lot of realistic situations. You know, the difference in Family Guy, you know, first of all, it's animated, and, and it certainly is farcical. But shows like this to me are valuable. I don't think the thing that I miss about television or most entertainment forms is that everything is scrubbed so clean. It's so sanitized to the point of being antiseptic. 
And a lot of shows are afraid to laugh at themselves. And I don't think any show has been unafraid to laugh at itself quite like Family Guy. But, you know, going back to All in the Family, I thought that show was really great. But if you watch the reruns now, um, there's at least a joke or two or a statement that nowadays I don't think any network would allow that on their airwaves. Mr. Steve Kim, lead columnist for UNCLive.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you very much. Joining us now is psychiatrist Dr. Carol Liebman. Learn more about her by going to her website at drcarol.com. Ms. Liebman, what can you tell us about the benefits of laughter? And have you noticed some cases over the years of treating patients that laughter has actually been an effective means of treating a number of ailments? Absolutely. In fact, Reader's Digest had it right a number of years ago when they had a column in their um, magazine called Laughter is the Best Medicine, because it is. It's similar to exercise. Um, It stretches your muscles. It increases your pulse and your blood pressure. It increases your breathing, which increases the oxygen to your tissues, and it increases your immune response. And 10 to 15 minutes of laughter burns 50 calories. So can you laugh yourself then? <laughs> yes, you can, which is a lot. <laughs> not, if, not if you're sitting there with bonbons, however, <laughs> looking at comedies how, and, and eating bonbons. How does, you, how does one lose weight off laughter? How, how long do you have to laugh? And can you laugh in the family? Well, you can. You need to. It's, you, you know, it's not a very practical way. It's a fun way, of course, to lose weight, but it's not a practical way since 10 to 15 minutes only burns 50 calories. So you'd have to laugh for a very long time. But, but of course, that's not you know an unpleasant uh, thing to do. Norman Cousins is the best example of the power of laughter because some years ago he. Um, was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, which is a crippling and irreversible disease of the spine. It's very painful. And he decided that rather than go along with or only go along with the treatment that the doctors were suggesting, he wanted to do his own, he had his own ideas. And that included things like IV vitamin C and so on. But it mainly included watching nonstop uh, com- comedies, the Marx Brothers, Candid Camera, movies and television shows that, that he enjoyed, that he especially made him laugh especially. And so, um, so he would find that 10 minutes of laughter would give him two hours of pain-free sleep, which is another property that laughter has. It makes you forget about or, or you know, changes your body in a way that you don't feel the pain as much. And, and that disorder was a painful disorder of the spine. So um, it was very serious. And um, and he wrote about this in a book called Anatomy of an Illness. Okay. And it, he did cure himself, um, you know, and, and laughter was a very big part of that. So let's say that somebody watches a show like Family Guy and they're watching it and they're laughing, theoretically speaking. If they're pretty sick, do you think that one way... ...into someone that they just sit there and laugh and don't do any anything else that their doctors recommend. Uh, I mean, I think even Norman Cousins did some of the right. things, well, at least, that their doctors, his doctors recommended. But, but certainly, um, it has, you know, for all the things that I was saying before, like exercise, getting ox- more oxygen to your tissues, improving your immune system, there are all of these benefits that anybody uh, could benefit from, whether they know that they're ill or not. And, um, you know, people have different uh, television shows and different movies and different jokes that they find funny. So you need to sort of find the thing that you key into. Um, some people, of course, would, would find, find Family Guy hilarious, and then that would be the show for them to, uh, to make them, um, to have the best benefits for them. I um, am kind of a, one of my favorites right now is Big Bang Theory. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's so interesting because, well, you, you are familiar with that too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it re- even though it's pretty much the same story again and again, although every time it's a di- different little twist, but it's sort of connecting with the characters. Uh, Sheldon Cooper is a narcissistic 
guy who has Asperger's syndrome, and even though he's so, well, the, what makes it funny is that he's so uh, socially awkward. He's this brilliant scientist, but he doesn't know how to interact with people. And viewers uh, relate to him, identify with him. And so all of the mishaps that he gets into because well, he really doesn't understand. Just, I want to just take back to one thing. If somebody, when mm-hmm. it comes to laughter and then it comes to taking an antidepressant, what are the comparable differences to laughter and antidepressant? And can a person actually get what they need from laughter as opposed to taking an antidepressant? Well, that depends. Um, it depends on what kind of depression the person has. Um, however, I can say one thing, that just taking antidepressants um, is not enough to cure anybody's depression. They need to be in therapy as well. So, um, you know, when someone, so it's, it's not, it's not uh, a magic bullet and you need to really understand your problems. So for some people, you know, for a mild type of depression, certainly having a nightly dose or daily dose of some kind of comedy or uh, a movie, a television show, or, or especially what's good is being in a, with other people. There is a um, part of the benefit is when you're with other people and you're laughing together with other people now, that could theoretically be watching television together with your family, or it could be uh, in a social situation, a group where your people are telling jokes. And it's also the benefit of having this social support that reinforces the benefits of laughter. Dr. Carroll, thank you so much for being with us today. And to learn more about you, please go to our website at drcarroll.com. Thank you so much. Joining us now is Dr. Leslie Bethwish, psychologist and author. You can learn more about her by going to her website at lovevictory.com. Ms. Bethwish, what can you tell us about Family Guy from a psychological perspective? This is a great topic. You know, I love all these adult cartoon shows. You know, when the Flintstones first came out, people thought it would never make it, but people love these shows. And why? We see ourselves. We get to laugh. We get to um, boost our mood. There's so many benefits to watching any comedy, but especially this show. This show has a, a special place in, in terms of history of television. The, the father, Peter, reminds me so much of Jackie Gleason um, on The Honeymooners, Ralph Cramden, who was always trying to you know, better himself or he always felt left out. He didn't feel that he had you know, the luck of other people. And there's so many people who can identify with that. And do you feel that the show is loaded with positive sentiments, positive triggers for people to laugh as opposed to more less negative ones? Well, one of the things that the family guy does is they hit all the main issues that people are thinking of. Well, maybe not all, but a lot of them. You've got drug addiction. You've got an anthropomorphic pet. You, you've got um, sexual predators for neighbors. You've got so many things that spark people to think. So when you can combine laughter and thinking, that really helps. And let me stop this for one second. Do you feel that there is any age where Family Guy is inappropriate to be watched by? Are there, are there certain age groups where they, they should not be watching Family Guy? Well, I don't know. I think that's really up to each parent. I, I know that we watched very carefully what television shows we allowed our daughter to watch. So I think families have to decide what age, because just because a child is, let's say, 14, you don't know what their development is like or what their issues are. So I think families need to use some judgment. Okay. Now, Family Guy is a show that gets attacked by a lot of groups for saying it doesn't present a positive perspective about morality. Do you feel that Family Guy in some ways is a threat to morality or is a contradiction of what true morality is? Um, I would say um, it's a mixed bag there. I think I'm guessing that the viewers who watch this understand that their neighbors and Lois's, you know, drug addiction, that those are negative things. They don't look at it as, gee, I think I'll do that. I think it gives them an opportunity in its best form, to say themselves, that's not good parenting. I think it, it creates a forum. And last question I have is, what do you find are some of the positive benefits to laughter? And 
if people are laughing on a consistent, regular basis, is that something that could ultimately maybe make them escape a depression or escape a uh, negative state of mental well-being? Actually, let me let me start the question over again. <laughs> and three, two, one. Dr. Leslie Bethwish. If people are in a state of perpetual laughter and they're able to laugh more on a consistent basis, how does that impact their other moods? Laughter is, as they say, amongst the best medicine. Let me tell you briefly what laughing does. First of all, it gives you a sense of social connection. Laughter works best when you're with other people. That's why in early TV and in some of the TV shows now, they have laugh tracks. So it connects you to someone. It makes you able to say, this person and I share a similar worldview. We can laugh at ourselves as we watch something. We can laugh at our own identity with the characters. And you feel that you're sharing some kind of personal irony, um, personal way of seeing the world. And it's no surprise that one of the things that women list as some of their top things that they want in a relationship is someone with a good sense of humor. Do you feel that if people are getting a reaction to something that is negative, if people feel offended in general, is that an indication that there's something they should focus on within themselves that is it is it uh, is being the act of being offended an internalization rather than an externalization? It, it can be both. You can watch something and be really upset with it, and it doesn't have to do with your internal conflicts. But yes, watching someone go through negative things and you say to yourself, oh my gosh, uh, those are the kinds of things I say and do, it creates self-awareness. It creates a little bit of humor with yourself, and particularly when you're watching these shows with your partner, your partner has a way of turning to you and saying, uh-oh, does that look familiar? And it doesn't start World War III in your relationship. So laughter is so important. It improves your mood. It's been used to mask pain. It shares bonds and creates a stronger point of view with your partner. And finally, um, jokes and irony helps you learn and think. Dr. Leslie Bethwish, it was a real great analysis. And to learn more about Ms. Bethwish, please go to our website at lovevictory.com. Joining us now is Dr. Elaine Rodino, a psychologist. Mrs. Rodino, what can you tell us about Family Guy? Well, it's a show that is obviously humorous and has a following. Um, and I think it speaks to the fact that uh, followings are... Um, uh, significantly different for different types of shows. There are different categories of humor, and I think Family Guy does focus on a more aggressive humor, a more youthful kind of humor. Okay. And do you feel that the Family Guy, if you, you gauge the show, that the, what kind of um, messages are coming through? Are there positive messages? Are there negative messages? Are there messages that are provoking laughter? that are done in a uh, positive, peaceful experience? Well, I think all humor is good. I think all humor is healthy. Just the act of laughing is a wonderful thing. Uh, however, I think when uh, humor is more in the category of aggressive humor, which is at the expense of others or the expense of certain groups, uh, it's insulting to the groups or to the people. I think that's not exactly the healthiest kind of humor uh, because people are getting hurt. There are people, you know, people that are getting made fun of are feeling bad, and it's a kind of bullying. But if uh, if you have a TV show, doesn't it have to, isn't it up to the person to choose or not whether they want to engage on it and are they necessarily being bullied if they're actively making an elective choice to be take part oh, of the abuse? Correct. Correct. The characters on the program that are getting poked fun at are uh, getting bullied, and it depends where the line is. You know, I noticed, you know, on on Family Guy that not all of the humor goes over the line. You know, it can be funny. You know, without well, you know, what is over the line? Hurting. What is yeah. what, what is this line? What is what is this over the line? Like? I I would think the line is if. A person would be
be very hurt by that kind of uh, comment. And it's hurt not, you know, a person can get hurt and a group can get hurt. It can be a, a you know, certain kind of uh, social group or, uh, you know, whether it's fat people or uh, Latinos or women. Uh, so that's where the uh, hurt can come, and it's hurting the image of those groups in the viewers so that other people feel more okay about being insulting to them. What, in general, is the psychological effect of laughing and laughing? Well, yeah, there's, um, you know, the the research on laughter is actually just beginning to, you know, the study of happiness, study of laughter, but there's, I think, no disagreement that it's a very healthy thing. Uh, I, my work is doing psychotherapy and what I, psychotherapy with individuals and couples. And what I find is that people who have some level of sense of humor are usually in a healthier uh, mode. They are not as depressed as those people that have no humor, uh, don't can't find the humor in their own situation. So if people can find that, and couples, couples that can come in really in uh, you know a lot of stress and a lot of difficulty going on, uh, if there's some level of finding some humor. It's usually a good sign, a good sign of their relationship and their mental health. Okay, and in the same token, we just came across, talked about something before about people who hear a word or they hear a joke and they get hurt by it. If a person mm-hmm. can laugh at something about themselves, what does that speak about that person? And if a person can laugh about that, are they in essence becoming more powerful or taking control? over any pain that that word or situation could potentially cause them? If they laugh at it in a real, genuine way, they haven't been hurt by it. Um, If they are pretending to laugh because they feel pressured to laugh, that's not a good thing either. But if they are laughing at it and it's not causing them to have a negative reaction, do you feel Oh, that's great. That's very good. They're, you know, being able to laugh at oneself is, you know, that's another kind of category of humor. And I think, you know, there are many comedians that will uh, kind of put themselves down this self-effacing humor. And, you know, that's a, a category of humor. Dr. Elena Rodino, thank you so much for being with us. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, Miss Carrie O'Connor. We can learn more about Miss O'Connor by going to her website, at CarrieOConnor.com. Mitch O'Connor, what can you tell us about Family Guy? The Family Guy, Ryan, is one of those shows that enter into the earth plane to shake people's foundation. And when critics say that it's uh, negative, it brings in a negative message, I see totally opposite. When any kind of energy enters the earth, and it goes right to the root, right to your foundation, and it shakes you up. It's getting you uh, to see beyond limited belief systems. Humor is the best medicine that we've had. Laughter is the best medicine. People have cured, literally cleared, um, cured cancer from laughter. So Family Guy is for everybody. I remember when my son first asked me to look at it, and he was like five or six, right? And it was supposed to be adult TV. And I did go in there with an attitude. But what I noticed through me and him watching it, he saw me laughing. At first I was laughing behind my hand, and he moved my hand, and I saw this energetic tube going beyond me and my son that connected us right to our heart. He just melted and glowed because throughout the show it gave us an opportunity to connect in that heart energy, to use humor, and he was getting a kick out of it. He knew it's five or six, so he liked the, the humor that seemed naughty or bathroom talk or just all the stuff that they do. And But I also saw that they do shocking um, t- things on there to shake people up so they could go beyond the limited belief system. And that is always a celestial thing for us. We're, we're here in this lifetime in particular to go beyond the what I call the human doings, that we get into these belief systems that are very limited and not adapt to opening ourselves up and open our heart in particular, taking that laughter in, seeing the bigger message, getting to see the, the humor above the 
what could seem appear crass to some people and uh, not taking it too seriously. They don't get hooked into the judge or Mormon, um, the status, energetic posture, my way, highway, this is the way it is, this is humor, this isn't, isn't humor. And when you were asking, we were talking earlier about the, the show, I saw, I was pulled to, um, I Love Lucy. In that, in that day and age, a lot of people didn't like that it was a, a, a guy that was not American, he had an accent, you know, and that they, um, it was a woman that was the star of it. So that was a forerunner show that broke uh, the rules of comedy shows in America and it laid way for um, the family guy. So these are shows that come into this earth to wake people up, to see, to tap into the heart, to see the humor, to go beyond judgment. And uh, judgment just keeps you locked into um, not being able to see the lighter part of life. It makes you not now, laugh. Now, as somebody who can perceives auras, perceives visualizations of the human body, what happens, energetically speaking, when a person laughs and laughs very hard what is happening to their spirit what i see ryan imagine there's a a, if you put your arm up on 45 degree right that's a let's say the veil that connects us to the spiritual celestial worlds is very thin there 90 degree right it looks like tubes open up on that side of the energy field that pours over the earth and humanity and individuals as they're watching the show and this is gold pink purple energy that comes down it goes right into their heart and their heart looks all gold and then it pushes up to the thymus area which is considered the high heart the place where we hold the ability to unconditionally unconditionally love and accept ourselves and that it opens up that space big time and then the whole part of their um lower energy fields it looks like there's um seat belts around it so it keeps them in locked patterns it unlocks those seat belts so they're not driven consciously or unconsciously about human made rules so it's a very it goes to the heart of matters it warms the heart very positive it brings that gold energy is healing literally healing to the soul, body, mind, and soul. And especially the more it can seem like it pushes the envelopes, the more it shakes people up, the more people who do protests. That, when you look at it all on the energetic level and just leave the personalities behind, you see gold waves um, raining down on the earth, raining down the individuals, and have an opportunity to open up that heart and have a sacred heart exchange. So there's something very spiritual about the family guy. Miss Terry O'Connor... That was a fantastic and riveting analysis on Family Guy and humor. Thank you so much. And to learn more about Ms. Carrie O'Connor, please go to our website at carrieoconnor.com. Thank you so much, Ms. O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. It's always my pleasure. Right. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, Ms. Constance Stellis. You can learn more about Ms. Stellis by going to her website at constancestellis.com. Okay, Ms. Stellis, we are doing a show about laughter. We are doing a show about Family Guy. So who better to do an astrological chart reading other than creator of Family Guy, Mr. Seth MacFarlane? What can you tell us about Mr. MacFarlane's chart? Well, first of all, he's a funny guy, but we know that. And his humor is, um, I would say, very specific to the sign of Scorpio. He is a Scorpio sun and a Scorpio moon, and Mercury is also in Scorpio. Scorpio, as I've said uh, on uh, other occasions, is um, perhaps the strongest sign of the zodiac because its basic thrust is transformation, and that energy must be transformed, otherwise it can stay inside and be uh, quite uh, self-destructive. So... The humor that a Scorpio native has is always to the point, revealing, and has absolutely no compunctions in being black, dark, um, scatological, uh, or um, anything that, quote-unquote, polite society wouldn't necessarily condone. And that's not, um, I mean, that's native to him. That's his character. And it's like muckraking in journalism. If it's funny and it's disgusting, it's still okay with him. Uh, Because funny is is the most important word. And then we see that it is also very revealing. 
to to character to people how they are in the inside or you know the things that kind of say oh no you laugh but you're 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 kind of embarrassed to laugh um, but there's truth there and this is his slant on life and I think that for him it uh, it's it's very natural and um, very part of his um, uh, his character. He has um, a um, a great feeling nature, a lot of uh, water in his chart. So he, I think, I'm not sure whether he was an actor per se before um, uh, Family Guy, but he is a good actor, and he's um, uh, very good humored in his life. I mean, lots of kind of charm and eager to uh, move around and, and do things uh, his own way. Um, I think the other thing is that the zinger that the Scorpio, you know, the Scorpio has that little stinger. So stinger or zinger uh, is is very much part of his personality. And if you get on his bad side, you're going to be a target for, for those zingers. <laughs> so he also never forgets a grudge. Never forgets a grudge. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm curious to know that if he had not been born a Scorpio, if the entire theme of the, the, his comedy and show would actually change, if it would actually Absolutely. be Absolutely. Absolutely. This is an old-time example because I don't know if anybody remembers Red Skelton, who was – I mean, I was a tot when he was very, very um, uh, famous. But he was a comic, and he, he was a Cancerian. And he was very funny, but his comedy was never pointed. Of course, it was a different time, too. It was way back, you know, and if you see him in the movies, like, 40s, 50s. Um, the, it was, was very gentle and lots of imitations that were kind of homey, homey imitations. Let me think of trying to think of someone's more, more recent. Um, Mm-hmm. Well, here's an example. Johnny Carson was also a Scorpio. And uh, so what we saw there was the zinger and the stinger, but at that period of time, there was a certain kind of accepted uh, material. And well, every once in a while, there was this little naughty glint in Johnny Carson, and that Seth has made his his kind of turf. Okay. Do you see a comparable difference between Carson and uh, McFarlane in terms of their charts? Do they have any like distinctive grand similarities? Well, um, I don't have Johnny Carson's chart in front of me right now, but yeah, he, they were both um, they're both Scorpio. But uh, I think that uh, McFarland is more a rebel. Uh, one, he came at a different. Uh, he's performing now, working at a different time period, but he has an agenda with his comedy to reveal, and uh, Johnny Carson was more um, involved with comedy, but, um, you know, he had all those guests, and he had a great uh, kind of format in his, uh, his show, so he had to be milder, but every once in a while... He was just a crack up too. Seth has more latitude. If you look in Mr. McFarlane's chart and you see certain patterns about his trajectory, his astrological trajectory, do you notice anything that's in there that's similar to other people who are very successful? Yeah. Uh, he has a very tight square, which is a challenging aspect between Jupiter and the sun and the moon. Now, uh, the question, similar to other people's charts, um, we don't have his birth time, so I don't have ex exactly his proper chart. And the the um, beauty of astrology, I think, is that it's quite individual. But there is there are a few things that you can say in general for people who are very driven, and driven people, for good or for ill, uh, are successful. And in his case, it is the fixed T-square. What that means is that he's got the Mars opposite the sun and the moon square Jupiter. So he is um, unbendable 
in uh, pursuing what it is that he wants, and he has the talent to accomplish it. Sometimes people are unbendable pursuing their 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 uh, their uh, desires, but they don't have any ability. Uh, that's not the case with him. And that T square, it, it's not an easy. It doesn't mean that everything flows, but it means ferocious hard work to move forward. Ms. Constance Dulles, thank you so much for your great astrological reading on Mr. Seth MacFarlane. And to learn more about Ms. Dulles, please go to our website at ConstanceDulles.com. Thank you so much, Ms. Dulles. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guests, including Alex Sulkin and Kevin Biggins from Family Guy. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening.